ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. We open up the phone lines to you at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. White Claw Heart Seltzer, made pure. Our phone line sponsors this hour. Welcome in to the Tuesday, August 3rd edition. Your drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Got a lot to get into today. We're going to do so with you. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Swan. And don't forget, while you're there on social media, you can find me on our podcast. If you don't get the show live, you have to listen to it uh, when I post links. Or if you want to just maybe make that process easier, all you have to do is go to Apple Podcast, or you can go to wherever you get your podcast, and you can find the show and subscribe, and it will be delivered directly to your device. So when you're ready to listen to the show, you got it right there. So uh, we've got a lot of people who do that. Uh, So check in with me. If you're coming in from a different state, if you're listening to the show on the podcast and you can find me on social media, you got Twitter, let me know where you're checking in from. Uh, We had North Carolina checking in yesterday, and uh, I love that, that we've got a lot of people who are outside of Huntington, who are herd fans that are finding the show or checking in with us on a daily basis and listening in. So wherever you're from, let me know if you're on social media, give me a kind of an idea of where you're coming in from. If you're, uh, how far, how far, who's the furthest listener? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, right now, North Carolina is the winner only because that's the first check-in I got here as we ramp up to football season. But I want to know where you are in relations to the capital of Herdville, where you're at. So North Carolina right now on the board. And, of course, we've got football season coming up here in these uh, very short weeks. Fan day is happening on Saturday. I'm probably going to head on down there just a little bit because uh, we've got uh, media availability coming up this week. I'm going to have an opportunity to uh, kind of talk to Coach Huff and, and get uh, kind of a feeling for what the season's going to look like as uh, things are beginning. There's going to be a fan day, of course, and, and that's going to be an opportunity for fans to uh, see the herd interact a little bit. Other than that, uh, really, we're just going to have to wait and see as we get closer to the start of the season. And while we're waiting for that, we're still kind of following what's happening with college football realignment. Now, it's not going to be news every day, but uh, we will talk a little bit about the meeting, what we have found out, not much, but uh, the commissioners of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 meeting today to discuss how their conferences could benefit from working together. Maybe even a merger in that conversation. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, that's good news for the Big 12 and the Pac-12. I think something that could work to benefit both conferences would really be beneficial because it would give the Pac-12 more of a central time footprint. It would get some big matchups back on the Big 12 schedule. Uh, you could find out you know, real quick how attractive your conferences could be if you have some sort of schedule alliance. So there are some things right there we can talk about. But something that has been starting to maybe pick up a little steam, and again, none of this is on the table right now in an official manner, but there was a report that started to get picked up. College football reporter Matt Brown, he has a newsletter called Extra Points. And in that, he said that Conference USA, and pointed out that Conference USA has 14 members 
all the way from Norfolk to El Paso. It could split into two leagues, and each league could retain an automatic berth to the NCAA basketball tournament. So there's a possibility where you have Conference USA splitting. And I am here for that. I am all on board for that. Because it would make more sense from a scheduling point of view, a philosophy point of view. I really think that the eastern side of Conference USA could find its way better with a more eastern-centric league as far as the geography is concerned with the schools, the travel. You could possibly build upon that. And there are a couple of teams out there you could possibly pull in to build upon that. Because let's be honest, right now Conference USA dropped the ball or it did not do what it needed to do to maybe strengthen itself as a league you have a situation where you're adding members. You lose some members, and you pull some members up. And, of course, the Sun Belt is where you go and cherry-pick from. You grab schools like Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, and now they have been valuable, but as it stands, Conference USA has not really boosted itself the way the Sun Belt has. The Sun Belt goes out and grabs some of Marshall's old foes. Appalachian State. Appalachian State, Georgia Southern, I mean, the Sun Belt is right now regarded higher than Conference USA. And in my mind, Sun Belt is probably still underrated a little bit. The American probably still gets the nod, but I think the Sun Belt is a little underrated in the conversation. And let's be honest, right now, the MAC is the MAC. The MAC rises and falls, and the MAC still remains the MAC. And and I I love the MAC for that, honestly. I love the MAC for the fact that I mean, it's what college football is all about. You got the rivalries. Now it's not on the grand scale of things, but still, you get passionate fan bases, albeit smaller fan bases. But yeah, the MAC's the MAC. Conference USA, it's just strong all over the place, but. In this report, and it's starting to pick up some steam, and again, Marshall's not commenting, and that was part of this, is picking up on some of these reports. Marshall's kind of pushing for this. Now, we heard Dr. Gilbert in a recent interview when he was at an event, Metro News was there, indicate that, hey, you know what? I mean, maybe... Maybe these conferences sort of merge, split, you know, go geographic. You know, he kind of alluded to something like that. And it seems like, according to some of these reports, maybe Old Dominion and Marshall are, are pushing for that. Sort of, let's make it make sense. Let's make the geography work. Let's make the map work for Conference USA or whatever you call it if you split. Would you enjoy a more Eastern-centric league? Not having to travel to Texas, go to play those Texas schools. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those schools. This is not a, your schools are terrible. And if there is that conversation, get that out of your head right now. It's not about that. It should not be about that. I mean, it's just the geography does not work for a conference where money is going to be an issue for a long time. Travel, you're trying to make sure that you are using your dollars wisely and you just don't have the revenue coming in because, again, television's funding a lot of this. 
And that's why the Big 12 is scrambling right now, trying to figure out how to solidify its standing, because that's where the money is coming in. The money is coming in from television. It's tough out there right now. If you want to be a college athletic director, you have to be someone who is a jack of all trades. You got to be uh, personable. You got to be able to, to negotiate. You got to be able to run a department and make sure that you're using your dollars to the best of your ability. And at the same time, make sure that those dollars continue to come in. You, West Virginia athletic director Shane Lines, speaking with Blue Gold News, he indicated that the Mountaineers ended up at, quote, nearly $25 million deficit due to the pandemic. And he said in the uh, in the report with Blue Gold News that, that they're looking at loans and other types of payoffs, and they're going to try to figure out how these things will help them out. But uh, there's some hope that things are moving forward. But he, he said that, and you know, that's a big chunk of change right there. I mean, eventually you hope you can recoup that, but right now you're you're at a $25 million deficit. And if the Big 12 takes a big hit on the TV side of things with the money and the money's not there, I mean, there's going to be a source of income for West Virginia that's going to deplete. And so that's going to maybe make some things tighten a little bit as far as the budgetary issues are concerned. So it's tough out there. doesn't matter what conference you're in. So the thing here is if you're in a conference, yeah, what's the value? Why are you in this conference? Where's the value here? And is it of value to play all across the country with little return? Is there a value for Marshall playing UTEP on a yearly basis? All sports, not necessarily football, but all sports, is there a value here? And I really like divisions. I like playing east side plays east side. And, of course, if the travel will allow, you can you can have some crossover. But... Honestly, I think that the geography has to play a part in this because that's part of the fun. I mean, I like the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is this far-flung conference. Once upon a time it was, anyway. Far-flung. It's it's on the West Coast, and you like the fact that, for me, after after a night at Jones C. Edwards Stadium, I come home, I can watch some Pac-12 football. I got a football to watch. You know, I'm staying up late. Sure, I'm watching Hawaii. I don't care. It's fun. It's West Coast. It's college football for me. So that's where we're at right now. we got a lot happening here, and uh, there could be a potential. There, maybe that's going to happen. Maybe you're going to have a breakup here, and you're going to see a little bit more of a restructuring. But you know, as it stands right now, uh, I think Conference USA would benefit greatly, or the schools in the league would benefit greatly, if there was more of a focus and an East-West-centric focus here, you know, do you merge with the Sun Belt? Is there some sort of conversation going on where you have the Sun Belt East Side, Conference USA East Side? I mean, does that really happen? We talked about that. But is that a viable story? Or do you just break off and have your own conference, a new conference here? You do the split, maybe you attract some other members. And maybe then you look at a school like uh, JMU. I mean, do you invite Liberty in? Do you bring Liberty in? The Liberty's going to outspend you. Whatever combination of schools you have in Conference USA, Liberty's going to outspend you. So do you invite them? Because they're going to be able to do things you can't. They will be able to 
spin their way to prominence in whatever league invites them. So keep that in mind. All right, Big 12, Pac-12 meeting today, trying to discuss how uh, they can benefit each other, trying to figure out how to continue to remain relevant and valuable of all the conferences that maybe are on shakiest ground right now uh, of the Power Five or the autonomy group, whatever you want to call them. I think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 realize if uh, there's some sort of an alliance there, it's going to really strengthen what they have. We'll talk about that with you. We will get your phone calls in, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We've got more coming up. It's your Tuesday, August 3rd edition, The Drive on ESPN, 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. So could the Pac-12 and the Big 12 form an even super-duper conference, a bigger one? We'll see your 16, and we'll raise you 20. Could that happen? Possibility. Pac-12 and Big 12 meeting today. We don't have all the details, but they're meeting. Welcome back to The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. So, according to reports and Associated Press is where I'm sourcing a lot of this, uh, two people with knowledge of the meeting said Big 12 and Pac-12 officials discussing the potential for strategic planning between the two conferences. Of course, uh, these are... Um, undisclosed sources speaking on the condition of anonymity because the leagues were not immediately sharing details of these internal discussions. Uh, The Athletic also uh, reporting a lot of this. And what's happening here is the Big 12 is, I don't want to say flabbergasted or stupefied right now, but... The Big 12, imagine if you will, imagine if you will, if the Big 12 was Vince McMahon. Yes, I'm going WWE here on you. Imagine if the Big 12 was Vince McMahon in the center of the ring. And here comes Oklahoma. As portrayed by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And here comes, after The Rock's music plays, and the Big 12, portrayed by Vince McMahon's, in the ring here with Oklahoma and being played by The Rock, Texas rolls down. And of course, if you're, Texas is rolling into the ring, it's the rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And imagine, if you will, All of a sudden that Vince McMahon, or the Big 12, gets hit with a rock bottom. Hit with a rock bottom, and then the rock drops the people's elbow. That's pretty pretty harsh. I mean, not too many people get up from the rock bottom or the people's elbow. And then, what if uh, afterwards a stunner was applied? I mean, that's how you feel right now. If you're the Big 12, that's what's happened to you. You had a rock bottom, a people's elbow, and a stunner dropped on you. And then Texas and Oklahoma had a beer together as the Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin would. 
and that's how how it happened. So right now, the Big 12 is trying to figure out, well, what, what do we do? And so, everyone's holding to their guns right now. Look, look you can get out of here. You pay us a big chunk, or it's just going to roll till 2025. So the Big 12 is trying to figure out how do you rate, how do you how do you rake in some cash, retain value, how do you bolster the value of the league television package, and how do you keep the members happy and keep them together? And you can't replace, and I do mean this, you can't replace Texas and Oklahoma. There's not a program out there that would come out of another league of that level. I mean, there are programs that are close to that level or that level, but they're not coming out. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out how can you create value for your remaining eight schools? How does the Big 12 now the Big 8 again here? How do you improve the value of your conference and what you offer? Because when you go to the table to negotiate, when you go and try to get your TV deal squared away again, you need to have some value. And so your TV deal runs out in 2025. And you're trying to maybe create some value here. Bob Bowlesby, he told Texas lawmakers, uh, there was a hearing in Austin. He said that losing Texas and Oklahoma could slash the conference's television revenue by about 50%. He said that the TV deals accounted for about $280 million in revenue distributed to the schools. That's a lot of money. And the Pac-12 deal, it rolls up until 2024. It's similar. So these are kind of like institutions, like conferences as far as TV deals. And the Pac-12s probably want to be a little bit more proactive as well because it wants to maintain some value for its conference as well. And... As it stands right now, the Pac-12 really not indicating that it's looking to add members. Because if you merge these two, 20-team conference. 20-team conference. West Virginia and USC playing? I don't know how the schedule will work out, but could you imagine USC rolling into Morgantown for a football game? I mean, Mountaineer Field would be on fire. It would be lit. It would be exciting to see that. I mean, could you imagine Oregon coming into Morgantown? I mean, that would be fantastic. I would love that. You would have uh, maybe Mountaineers wearing, a, I don't know, maybe a combination of blue and the gray. I hate the grays. And you could have Oregon come out in like 54 shades of, of neon, whatever they come out. It would just you could have that you could make that game a gold rush. That could be a gold rush and Oregon coming in with all of that green and that neon electric and you have the gold rush going on. That would be that would be a sight to see. I mean, it would be huge here. So I think what you're gonna see is you're gonna see these conferences sort of trying to figure out uh, what makes sense as far as scheduling. What makes sense as far as partnerships? You know, how do you maybe you lock in and look, we're going to we're going to guarantee each conference member plays another one or two teams from the Big Ten or the Pac-12. You know, it's sort of maybe there's a, an associate game. Like, okay, we're associated. These are associates now. 
And so as associate members of each other's league, that means scheduling, you know, you're going to work those schools in. There's going to be the Pac-12 conference schedule, and then you're going to have some slots that you work in an associate. And maybe you can have like a Pac-12, Big 12 challenge every year. The two leagues battle each other uh, between the uh, respective, you know, divisions. Maybe you could have like a, a, a trophy for, I think a president's trophy maybe. You know, you could compete academically. You could compete, you know, in soccer. I mean, maybe you have, maybe you have the champions of some of the Olympic sports face off against each other in like a cup series. You could have like the Big 12, the Pac-12. You could have the President's Cup. Okay, you take, yeah, I don't know if that would work in football or basketball with the NCAA tournament, but with some of the other sports, you could do some things. So you could really be creative. And you could find some ways to really increase the value. And it would create content because if you got the Big 12 hosting Pac-12 schools, that's just going to create some content there. And it's going to really push the Pac-12 into more of a central time zone. I mean, maybe get the rare game in Morgantown between a school, as I mentioned, like a Stanford. You mean Stanford and West Virginia? I mean, that'd be fantastic, right? I mean, that would be interesting because you wouldn't have seen it before. And I think that's where you would see some value here. Because if you merge these conferences together, the conference schedule is going to be crazy. What's the value if you don't have a crossover? Or you could see possibly, and there have been indications that schools are kind of feeling right now what the future might hold. And there could have been some phone calls. It's been reported that possibly there's been some phone calls to the Pac-12. Maybe some programs are, are looking around. I mean, Kansas, trust me, Kansas is looking. Do you think Kansas is not looking? And Kansas offers... Maybe not the value in football you want because football is really driving this, but Kansas is offering basketball. I mean, come on. Kansas is really a prize to have in basketball. But I know football is not driving this at all. Whatever happens, it's not going to be impacted by anything other than football. Same thing for Conference USA. Sure. You know, we joked about, hey, whatever happens – you know, make sure you protect soccer, and I kind of actually believe that. Whatever you do, protect some of these sports here. But anything that happens, it's going to be a football move only. But at the same time, I would try to look at this from a standpoint of what makes sense for the athletic department. Where can value be had? And would value be trying to strengthen Conference USA? Would there be value in maybe a couple of League splitting off and, and forming out of conference USA, a little bit more East centric. I know if a, a bid to the American ever opened up, Marshall would probably take that. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that the the American is in a position right now unless it loses a couple of members, and I don't know if it's going to lose a couple of members. I mean, we've talked about Cincinnati. Cincinnati would be a great fit for West Virginia, and you'd have to replace them. And I think if anyone comes a calling for Conference USA school, I think UAB is on the top of the list. Because, again, UAB right now is not Alabama. It's not Alabama, but if you're trying to improve your your profile and you need to fill a gap, where do you go? If you're the American, do you call a UAB? 
You, you get a solid, strong, growing football program, and that might not necessarily replace Cincinnati, but I think you have some some things to work with there. Or does the American go hunting and say, hey, look, um, the TV package is going to be better over here. Let us prove that to you. Does West Virginia go into a situation with the American? Or does the Big 12 start looking at, okay, maybe we can work with the American. But it seems like the Pac-12 and the Big 12, that seems maybe a little bit more of a natural partnership there. Or I mean, some things could happen. The Pac-12 could expand. The Pac-12 could, honestly, right now, be indicating that it's not looking to add members or cherry pick. But if there are members that come a-calling them, pick up the phone and say, look, we kind of want to get it out, out of our situation. Can it work? I mean, you got to take that phone call. You have to take that phone call. And I don't know if Marshall is looking to get into an American situation. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to go into the Sun Belt? Does the Sun Belt come a-calling and say, look, hey, we've got a really good thing coming here. We're going to be in a better position here than where you're at if you can come on board here. But again, the travel is going to be an issue as well. The Sun Belt not necessarily you know, any better as far as travel. That's why you look at what makes sense from a geographical standpoint, and you, you got to put together you know, what's going to work. Because I don't know how many of you remember this, but the Conference USA that was presented to Marshall years ago is not the Conference USA of today. I remember that meeting. There's a map, and like, look, here's Marshall right deep in the center of this. And you got Cincinnati, you got Louisville. You, know, you see this map of schools, and Marshall was like right in the center of that, it felt like. If you could just draw a line, like Marshall's right there. And you're thinking, oh, that's a great con- You want to get into that. That's a conference you, you want to get into. And then, of course, uh, that conference is now called the American, just about, with some other schools going elsewhere. Still, that was not the conference you were sold because the TV money was better at the time in Conference USA. But the MAC has since exceeded that. And I know there's a stigma for the MAC. There is that you're better than the MAC. Got to get over that real quick. Because right now you want to do what's best for your athletic department. You want to do what's best for your fans. And I understand the complaints here. You don't want to travel all across the state of Ohio for college football. I get it. You know, you're not exactly excited to go play Toledo and Akron, and I get it. But understand this. You know, I'm not excited for necessarily North Texas, UTSA, UTEP. I'm not necessarily excited about that either, and it costs more. So hopefully this will offer at least some opportunity to realign in a more sensible manner and still retain a lot of the things that you enjoy because whatever happens I still enjoy playing or at least seeing Marshall play Western Kentucky middle I like it I like those matchups middle's got to get its football better Western I hope has a bounce back year and Again, I've kind of grown fond of the Florida schools. I, I know that, that you take it or leave it. Some of you love them, some of you hate them, but I've grown fond of them. And I like UAB. I like playing UAB. I like Southern Miss. 
from the west side, I mean, I like La Tech. It's not against anything against those schools. It's just I like to just get in a car and, and drive to a game on a Saturday, and, and I have to go a thousand miles to go see the herd play if I ever get the opportunity to get out of the studio again and go to a road game. All right, we will talk about another conference, another conference that has um, some um, different type of, let's just say, when you leave a conference, you got to pay an exit fee. Well, that might not be the case for a few schools, at least that's what they feel. We'll talk about that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. You think it's tough being a, a Power 5 school trying to work your way out of one conference to, a, to another? You think it's tough there? How would you like to be the OVC right now? Welcome back to The Drive at ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. The OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference. A league that I am fond of as well because it has given me such joy over the years and has brought me such hated rivals as Eastern Kentucky, which, believe it or not, is being sued right now by the Ohio Valley Conference. So what has happened here is the OVC has dropped a lawsuit on EKU and Jacksonville State. The issue here is that the contention from the OVC is that those two programs have not paid their $1 million exit fee. So each school owes the OVC a million dollars as an exit fee. Both these schools left the league this year for the Atlantic Sun Conference. So they're moving on. Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State joined the A-Sun July 1st. They announced their leaving back in January and in February. And so the OVC said in a statement that was released to the Associated Press that the lawsuit was filed in circuit courts in Franklin County, Kentucky, and Calhoun County, Alabama. And the league is saying that the schools have refused to pay the exit fees. These are exit fees that are agreed upon by conference members, so it's not as if they don't know about it. And the statement goes on and points out that exit fees are determined by the date of notice and also added in this that both schools made them less than two years before they planned to leave. So basically... Hey, see ya. We're out. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great life, everybody over there in the OVC. And then they left. And, okay, you want to leave? That's fine. Hey, that's cool. Hey, thanks for being a part of it. Hope you guys have a great um, have, have a great life. Uh, but, by the way, before you go, you, you owe us a, a million each. And you know that. So, um Hey, you just drop that off of the legal office, and, and we're going to be cool here. And, uh, you know, if there's anything we can do for you, let us know. No, that that didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. Instead, it was the, all right, we'll see you. And forgot to drop the check off. OVC Commissioner uh, Beth DePoch said that both schools benefited from being OVC members and expects them, quote, to do the right thing by fulfilling their contractual obligations. She said league presidents uh, regret filing the lawsuit. No, they don't. She said that league presidents regret filing the lawsuit but called it necessary to enforce payment. And she said 
to decide now that they don't have to pay the fee not only violates their contract, it is unfair to the OVC's member institutions with whom these schools enjoyed long and mutual beneficial relationships. Uh, now, EKU came out, released a statement, EKU, school I love to hate, and I mean that with affection. So EKU grads, don't get angry at me. You know it's all good. It's all good. You remember those years Marshall smacked you around in the uh, 1AA playoffs? You remember those days? I do. It was fun. I appreciate those memories. EKU, in a statement, uh, said it was aware of the lawsuit. It disagreed with the OVC's assertion. It added, we will articulate the merits of our position in the proper arena. Uh, Jacksonville State, um, no comment right now because nobody can get a hold of them. I think they turned the phone off. Uh, Can you believe that? EKU leaving the OVC. EKU is a founding member. That's like Ohio leaving the MAC. It's you just shake your head at it. No, I can't believe that. And, and of course, Ohio's never leaving the MAC. Ohio will be the last one turning the light off. It'll be Ohio and all Ohio's new friends if the MAC ever goes through a realignment. Because and that's how I felt about EKU, EKU and the OVC. Um, so EKU, 1948, founding member of this league, or among the founding members. And then looking at I mean it, 10 members are um are left. This was a 12 member league. So with EKU leaving and a stalwart member in Jacksonville State, Jacksonville State joined in 2003. So, you know, they've been around for a while but not 1948 around. The OVC said it reminded both schools of the exit fee several months ago. And uh, again, they were ignored. The phone apparently got disconnected. Um, They were ignored, the statement said, until both responded just before leaving. They would not pay the fee. It noted that Samford paid the required fee when it left the league. So, hey, look, Samford left, paid up. Hey, we're cool. Thanks for... Thanks for everything you did for us. We're, we're going to go over here now. Here's the check. It's like a damage deposit or something. Um, I like this. At the end of this, um, the OVC did say, though, it has no ill will toward either school, but wants both to honor their commitments. Otherwise, uh, we're going to court. I added that, but they're going to court, friends. Why are they going to court? Because of the fact that it did not pay up. Pay your money. Pay your exit fee. I mean, you you gotta if you sign an agreement, you have bylaws. You you gotta honor that stuff. You gotta pay your exit fee. I mean, it's a million. Are you mean to tell me someone uh, among the EKU donor base hierarchy can't pony up a million somewhere? I mean, it's a million. Okay, I I know it, a million is actually real money to for those of us uh, in the real world here, but it's a million. Can't pony that up when we continue. If you're an Ohio State football player, you're getting paid legally now. Imagine that. We'll talk about that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 in AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930. 
brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, the local bank that's here for every step of your life's journey. Member FDIC. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're streaming live at WRBC.com. So name, image, and likeness, it's a big reason why we're seeing more shakeup in college athletics programs are trying to make sure that finances are on the right side and you're in a good position to be able to deal with the new reality that student-athletes can get paid now. Take advantage of the name and image and likeness that has been created in part for being successful in the football field or in the field of play, whatever the sport may be. And something that has happened for many years now, you know when you go to a, a, a team store you go and you buy a jersey. You know you can get them with generic numbers on it, and a lot of players, you know, look at people in the stands and see their number. And over the years, I've thought, well, now they're buying that because of me. That's that's my number. They're buying that jersey because of me. Let's not let's not kid ourselves here. There's no name on the back, but and in Marshall's case, there hasn't been a name on the back for a long time. But there's no name on the back, so you buy that number. You're you're buying it because of that player, right? I mean, that's that's a fair statement, I think. And so Ohio State, I'm sure, among all the power schools, making big time money off these jersey sales, right? So football players now, along with athletes in all of Ohio State's other sports, there's 35 sports. Football players and the other 35 sports now have the opportunity to make money off the sale of Buckeyes jerseys bearing their names and numbers. I mean, now we're taking it up to a next level. You can get your name on the jersey. So now you see a jersey in the stand with your number, and on back it's got your name, and you're, you're getting a piece of that. And to be honest, it always should be that way because – the value of that jersey is the player on that field wearing it. I mean, if I buy a hockey sweater, I was buying it either a generic one or I'm buying a jersey that has a player number that I like. Now, if I'm a Bengals jersey wearer, I'm grit. I'm getting maybe a classic jersey here. I'm getting maybe a Siason. Am I going to get a current player? Because you never know, you get traded. I'm going to get a retired player maybe, but you could do that now. You could get a, a jersey and sport the, the jersey of your favorite player, and they're going to get paid for that. And this is a program, Ohio State program. It's run by the uh, Brander Group. It's described as a brand management, marketing, and licensing agency. It's going to create opportunities for current Ohio State athletes to join a group licensing program of three or more athletes uh, from the same team or one with six or more athletes from any combination of teams, according to release issued from the school. Um, the deal is not going to guarantee NIL opportunities. It will facilitate group licensing opportunities on behalf of the athletes. So if you are, say, top quarterback prospect in the class of 2022, Quinn Ewers, um, who said he was skipping his senior year high school. 
going to enroll at Ohio State. So guess what? He's doing that in part because he can start to take advantage of the name, image, and likeness opportunities. He said in the report that um, his decision was influenced by Texas rules that prohibit high school athletes from earning money from endorsements and sponsorship deals. So he's moving to the next level. And his parents told Yahoo Sports, there's report that uh, their son has several potential deals lined up. But a Texas law aimed at giving college athletes NIL rights prevents high school athletes from doing so. Now, that's another, that's a completely different bag. I don't know if I'm ready to open that just yet. Should high school students have NIL rights? And if so, what rights should they have? That's an interesting story. I'm not ready for that yet. Let's get through college first and figure this out before we go down that road. But this is going to probably happen at universities across the country. I'm surprised it hasn't happened at Marshall yet. It's probably coming soon. So now you can go out. If you want to buy a Grant Wells jersey, You could, if Marshall can make this happen, you could go out and get a Grant Wells jersey, not just a... a, a a jersey with Wells' number, or any other player. You could actually go get that jersey and put that name on the back and have that herd jersey with your favorite player and know that that player is going to get a piece or a percentage of that jersey sale. And so you can say that's a recruiting tool. By the way, this is a recruiting tool. Because now you can go to that kid and say, look, name, image, and likeness, we are here for it. We want you to come here. Here's what makes here great. By the way, we're on board with everything, too. You're not going to get anything less here than you would anywhere else. You want jersey sales? We got that. We here, here's, a, here's what your jersey would look like. Here's your number. Here's what it looks like on the back. Imagine you do well here. Fans are going to line up, buy that jersey. You're going to get a piece of that. You don't have to do anything. Just go out and play. Man, that's going to be your easy money right there. I can imagine the pitch. But the opportunities. The more opportunities that the universities can put together and have third parties taking care of this, working with the university, working with the student-athletes, and making sure that it's the third parties. Because do you want the schools to really get directly into this business? I don't think so. But if you have the third parties working the, the deals here, I think that's going to be a lot better. Because you want to be able to show these kids that, look, we are progressive, we are moving forward, we are on top of this. And you know that eventually there's going to be a group licensed deal for college football. It's not NCAA football. It's going to be EA college football. And so on your shiny new Xbox you're going to get for Christmas or your shiny new PlayStation that you're going to get for Christmas, you will be able to play as your favorite team again. And let me tell you right now, August when I was a youngster, it was a, it was a special time because I would I would get the new and close to my birthday, actually, I, since my birthday is Friday, um, not 
to go off on an aside here, I would get the new college football game when I was younger. It was so awesome. Every year, it was it was like a... I mean, sometimes I had to wait a week or so because it was a birthday gift. But still, get the new college football game and, and just play. And, you know, back in the day, uh, they had one AA schools in there as well. So, again, you know, I was playing as Randy Moss. Just wrecking teams. It's always, uh, it was always fun. I hope that happens again. Back tomorrow. Uh, now, okay, now here's, um, here's the deal. Tomorrow, uh, we've got baseball tomorrow. In the afternoon, in the event that that goes over, which I think it's going to go, um, we're definitely going to be here on Thursday and Friday. I just want to give you the heads up. I, I'm going to have a interview either uh, live or pre-recorded with Marshall women's soccer coach Michael Swan. I got Billy Seals coming up on Thursday. I'm going to have Coach Huff and a lot more for the rest of the week. Enjoy. Talk to you tomorrow.